Good morning, everybody. This is Living Worship with Pastor Cameron Diamond here at Jonesville Baptist Church in Newberry, Florida. I'm excited that you've um, decided to spend some time with me this morning as we study God's Word. Um, we are in the middle of a study on 1 John, and we're going through this letter that, that John has, has written and, and deciding, and not really deciding, but, but learning for ourselves what does it mean for us today as um, 21st century Christians. Um, and that's so important to consider when you're reading the Bible, because when John penned this for the original churches that he sent this to, um, of course, God had it in mind that it would survive and come to us and be applicable to us. But he was specifically writing to the audience in his era. And so we have to, as we read, pull the eternal principles um, out of what is being written. Now, the miracle of it is that a lot of the New Testament is not really hard to um, build that bridge from the first century to the 21st century. Um, but sometimes it is. And so we always have to just think critically and read carefully as we go and always have the humility to understand that there are going to be cultural references that we're, we don't see right away. Maybe we even see something that we think means one thing, but it, when John wrote it, it actually meant something else. And so we have to be humble enough and careful enough as we read um, to uh, overcome those literary obstacles so that we can really learn what God is trying to tell us. Um, reading the Bible uh, should not be uh, just treated as a hobby, right? It's a sacred, important task that we should be doing on a daily basis um, always learning, always reflecting, always growing in that area for sure. All right, so we're in First John chapter 4, and we're going to take it just a few verses at a time as we do. All right, so verse 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We know that was true then. We know that that's true today. Right, Everything you hear, everything you know, test it against what you know is true. And as Christians, we believe that the Bible is the ultimate source of truth, bar none. The Bible is it. Right, So everything that we hear, even if it's from a pastor, teacher, Pastor Cameron on the Living Worship Podcast, we always go back to God's Word. Verses 2 and 3, it says, And this is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now it is already in the world. So everything good, everything true is going to honor Jesus as Lord. That's really important for us to consider, um, because that doesn't just include people. That includes the books we read, the TV shows we watch, the music we listen to, um, the stores that we shop at. Um, understanding what has authority in anything that we partake is, uh, I mean, as Christians, we should always be aware of that. Because it doesn't just affect your Sunday mornings and your Wednesday nights. This should affect your entire life. And it's, we have to be careful what we allow to influence us. And so if it doesn't honor Jesus as Lord, if it's 
not good for you as the Bible prescribes good things, honorable things, then the Bible says very black and white, there is no neutral. It's either honoring Jesus or it belongs to the spirit of the Antichrist, right? It belongs to Satan. And so anything that belongs to the spirit of the Antichrist, as John writes, it is illusion. It is deception. And it is slavery to evil. And the whole goal of it, whatever it is, is to pull you into darkness. To pull you away from holiness. To make you think that this sinful um, lifestyle, whatever it is, from whether you think it's small or big, doesn't matter. It's to make you think that that's normal. Normal thinking, normal behavior, acceptable practices. Let's keep reading. It says, you are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And they are from the world, and therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. And we are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us, and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. And this is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Right? Holy Spirit versus Satan. It's how you know the difference. right? So think for a second about the movie franchise, um, The Matrix. So if you've seen it, it's uh, got Keanu Reeves in it. It was um, one of his major blockbusters. right? In fact, they just came out with a new one not too long ago. And... The whole idea is that he was going about living his life and all of a sudden, through a series of events, he realizes that his entire life was a lie. Everything he thought to be true about reality was not true. In fact, it was all a computer program, essentially, enslaving the human race. And so throughout the movies, right, he goes about trying to right the wrong and bring truth back to humanity, to dismantle the lies in the system running those lies. Well, that's actually a, a pretty good analogy of the way that our world works. You see, most people have this false idea of what is true and what is right and what is acceptable. And that's why we always see our culture um, just constantly in flux about what is right, what is wrong, never seeming to find any solid ground. The only common factor that our culture has had for all of history, no matter where you look, is that it, it naturally wants to reject God's truth. You can look at the Israelites and read about it in the Bible. In the Old Testament, right? That was a society that was built on God's actual words. God's divine presence literally being in front of their faces. But what did their culture end up doing? Well, very quickly, it veered off into sin. It wanted to reject God's word. It wanted to reject God's righteousness and God's expectations of us. It's the same throughout history. It's what we do because of our sinful nature. We don't want what's good for us, and so we believe that what is bad for us is good for us. Check it out in Romans chapter 1. 
And so most people believe these lies about how the world works. They see the evidence of creation and then they just deny it that God's behind it. They just explain it away. They call the people who know the truth, believe the truth, live the truth. They, <laughs> they call us hateful. And they persecute us. In the West, you know, we have it pretty good. You know, we have freedom of religion. And, and so we are persecuted um, physically less than the rest of the world. But we are still persecuted. And the more the West veers away from Christianity and from Christianity being the norm, the real Christianity, I should say, the more persecuted we become. And it's going to go back to the way it is in the rest of the world eventually. That is the way human history has always worked. And we shouldn't expect anything different. Because the world isolates itself from God. It wants what it wants at any cost. So we have to separate the two and not settle for anything less in the righteousness of God. And verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Love one another. Right? Jesus said the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Love is selfless. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. It's the kind of love that the world really knows nothing about. They can write about it in stories, but it's myth. Except for the fact that Jesus modeled it for us. And through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we are given the power. We are enabled to love in that same way. Not that we get it right all the time, but the longer we're a Christian, the longer we pursue the Lord, the more that we will fall in line with this kind of behavior. And you will have assurance of your salvation. And people will know that you belong to Jesus by the way that you love. And anyone born of God is going to live this out. Anyone born of God is going to have the Holy Spirit and the ability to do this. Now, no one knows, right? I can't. Uh, for sure say that yes you are saved but I can look in my own life and say yeah I can tell that I'm saved because 
I see what the Holy Spirit is doing. I see the changes He's making in my life. And I can't judge your salvation, but I, if I can see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in this way, then I can be pretty confident that uh, that's where you are too. That's important. This, this is the main area that we must grow. And as we grow in this, everything else that is broken about us because of sin will fall in line with God's holiness. Verse 17, as we start to wrap this up, it says, In this, love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, and instead perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hate his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother or sister. The, the Bible has an interesting way to talk about the people around us. Jesus liked to use the word neighbor. John, as he writes, likes to use the word brother or sister. But the idea is the same. They're not talking about your literal next-door neighbor, and they're not talking about your literal family members. Although both of those count, it's much broader than that. It's every human on the face of the planet. Love is made complete with us so that we can have confidence in the Day of Judgment. You see, this perfect love comes from Jesus, and it's because he loved us so much that he died on the cross so that we wouldn't be punished for our sins. And then he came back to life. He was resurrected from the dead. And his church started so that this forgiveness, this uh, atonement could be provided to everyone who decided to accept it who decides to let God fix them, to mend their life, to bring them back from the brink of eternal death. And so that's what verse 18 is talking about, is once we have this forgiveness, once we have the Holy Spirit in our life, we don't fear death anymore. We don't fear God's judgment anymore. Because God's judgment against us was carried out against Jesus on the cross. The way that I like to put it with the youth group is um, as terrible and as awful as the crucifixion was, that was just the physical part. You see, Jesus was also undergoing the punishment for the sins of the entire world at the same time. As I read the scripture where Jesus dies before they expected him to, and he commits his life to the Lord, and he dies early, I see in that evidence of the fact that he was undergoing more spiritual torture, more spiritual punishment than anything the Romans could put on him. And he paid that for us. 
And so we don't have to fear that punishment anymore. And as that gravity, you know, of that understanding comes on you every day as you pursue the Lord, you understand uh, how necessary it is for you to love other people because you become more grateful for what God has done for you. Which is why in verse 20 it says that if you say you love God but there's no evidence of that love in your life because you're not loving the people around you, you're obviously a liar. Now, of course, we're going to slip up from time to time. And newer Christians are going to slip up, um, or I should say immature Christians are going to slip up more often than mature Christians because time spent as a Christian doesn't necessarily equate to maturity. There has to be intentional pursuit of God for maturity to happen. But it's talking about a lifestyle, a practice of saying, yeah, me and God are good, but you do not treat people well. You do not love people the way that Jesus loved people. You are not selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional with your love. And John points out here that that is evidence of bad fruit. That is evidence of a life that has not been changed by Jesus. So I'm going to leave you with a few thoughts before I sign off today. Do you treat other people selflessly, sacrificially, and unconditionally? This is tough because we want stuff. We want stuff like material things. We want stuff from other people. It's not wrong to want stuff. But do you always make deals? Do you always have conditions that other people have to meet in order to get your love? And as you reflect on that, do other people see that love in your life? So it's one thing for us to think, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. But it's a whole different thing to be able to ask some of the people around you and say, do you see these qualities in me? And how can I do better? What, what do I need to be working on? How can I pray? How can you pray for me as I strive towards a Jesus kind of love? If you're a Christian, committed Christian, you're following Jesus intentionally, you're going to get there. You know, God is going to sanctify you throughout your life. And by the time you get to heaven, the moment you get there, you, you're going to be mended. Then this sin curse is not going to be on you anymore. Because you trusted Jesus and you followed him all the days of your life. I appreciate you being with me today. If you want to reach out, you can reach out to me at Cameron at JonesvilleBaptist.com. Um, I want to thank Aiden Beckett for uh, coming up with the new intro and outro for this podcast. Um, so Aiden, if you're listening, thanks, buddy. And uh, praying for you guys. And uh, talk to you next week.